Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. We are a diverse, broken people creating something beautiful. Your favorite Jesus, pick that guy, okay? Your, your favorite Jesus, by the way, he's not white. Anyway, so you are going to be the answer to someone's prayer. Good morning. Oh, hello. Good morning. So glad you guys are here. I want you to keep that energy for the next 30 minutes or so, okay? Thank you. Thank you. My name is Kristen. I am another one of the pastors here. I'm actually the experienced pastor for Mosaic. And I'm on, no, that's not a joke, guys. That's real. That's my title. I'm the experienced pastor. Okay. I'm going to make sure you know this later. I'm going to help you understand what this means. But I'm also on the teaching team. Uh, we have a model here where we team teach, which is why even though Pastor Naeem is sitting over here this morning, I get to be with you. I get to lead us into this next series called Everyday People. So we were planning together and we were talking about what it looks like to love one another, what topics we want to cover, how we want to handle this. And he was like, you know what you should do? Think of a time that you were really unloving and tell people that story. I was like, here's what we should do. You think of a time you were really unloving and you tell people that story next week. This is a bad idea. <laughs> but it really is a good question, right? And so you don't have to say it out loud, but think about, can you pinpoint a time when you are the most unloving? Maybe it's a time of day. Maybe it's first thing in the morning. Maybe it's late at night if you're tired like me. Maybe it's when your kids are around. Maybe when it's when you're trying to multitask. Is there a time in your day when you are most unloving. I realized this week that for me, it's when I'm driving. It's when I'm driving. There's traffic, Charlotte traffic, all of the things, right? I know we like to complain about, I think every city likes to complain about their drivers. So it doesn't feel like a new thing, but it is also a thing in Charlotte. So I was driving and I was multitasking, which I probably shouldn't do, but I was, and I was responding to a text. I was voice texting. So it's okay. Eyes on the road still. And it was one of those like pastoral follow-ups, you know, checking in on a prayer request. How is everything going? I was saying lots of holy words, lots of pastoral words. And then a car just came in out of nowhere from traffic. And my words then were not so holy and not so loving and not so pastoral. And I don't know if you voice text often, but the saving grace is Siri. And that Siri is actually really full of grace. And so Siri, right before you send a voice text, she reads it back to you. And she goes, she told me, okay, the text that you're about to send to this person says this, holy, 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 loving, 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 beep, 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 Do you want to send it? And I was like, no, diving for my phone. The problem is one second we're loving and the next second we're not loving. 
Sometimes it depends on the moment. Sometimes it depends on the person in front of us. I just want you to know that you are not alone. The struggle is real and loving people is difficult. It is a process. That's why this series says learning to love one another, because this is not something that comes natural to us. This is not something that we wake up in the morning and often find easy to do. Sometimes it doesn't even feel like it's in our control, but it is in our control and we can choose to love people better. At Mosaic, this is actually part of our vision. We exist as a church to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. And what that looks like in our vision is that we want to be a diverse community that lives by faith, is known by love, and is a voice of hope. As Christians, this is kind of the goal, right? If we have decided we want to be Christians, we're Jesus followers, this is the goal. We want our lives to reflect Jesus. We want our lives to point people to him. And if you're watching or you're listening later and you're like, cool, I'm not even a Christian. I don't even know what I believe about this, or I don't love that title anymore, or I'm just checking things out. Even still, wouldn't it be cool to be known for the people that we love instead of being known for the people that we don't love? This is important. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk about lots of practicals and different things that make it hard to love people. But what I want to look at today, the question that we want to ask is, what does it look like to be known by love? And we're going to jump right in with the first passage in Matthew. Jesus is being asked the question. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor, help me out, as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus was not giving them new information here. I don't know if you noticed there are like quotes within the quotations. This is because he was quoting something. He was reciting something that the Jewish people he was talking to would know well. It was actually part of something called the Shema, which is um, this confession of faith that they would do in a prayer ritual every morning and every evening, twice a day. These were words that they were used to hearing. You know, sometimes we have familiar phrases, like if I said to you or said to your kids, the golden rule, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. I wonder if that's how these words kind of settled and kind of sat with the people that he was talking to. They weren't taking notes like, oh, this is really good. This is great information. They were like, right, right. We just said this this morning. We're going to say it again tonight. But there are some problems with loving our neighbor as ourselves. How many of you know, sometimes it's hard to love yourself. It's hard to love ourselves. A lot of times we love ourselves conditionally. We love ourselves when we're doing things right. We love ourselves when we look the right way or what we think is the right way. We love ourselves when we're accomplishing things. We love ourselves when everything either seems perfect or we feel happy. If we cannot love ourselves without condition, it's going to be hard to love others as ourselves without condition as well. Are you familiar with different love languages? This is another issue. You might be in a relationship with someone or married to someone, I'm just saying, that has a different love language than you. My poor husband, he does not, we do not have the same love language. So the way that I like give love and I'm telling him, I'm like, I'm loving you, I'm loving you is not the way that he receives love. So he's like, please stop. I don't want this. This does not feel loving to me. It's hard to love our neighbor as ourself when our self is not, other people are not the same as us. I think the biggest problem though, 
with loving our neighbor as ourselves is that we've gotten it twisted. Instead of loving our neighbor as ourselves, we love the neighbor that is like ourselves. Instead of loving the neighbor as ourselves, we love the neighbor who is like ourselves. Not only have we moved away from Jesus's original meaning here, but we have redefined who our neighbor is. And I think unfortunately for a lot of us, we actually learned this in our churches or we learned this growing up with our Christian backgrounds. There are lots of different types of churches and I actually think this is a good thing. I don't think it's bad that we can all find different expressions in different places that we can connect to him. But do you know why there are so many different churches? Let's look for just a couple of examples. We're gonna go extremes today, mainly because I don't think any of these people are in the room. So I'm not talking about any of you most likely, okay? On one side of the church spectrum over here, you've got conservative churches. They want to conserve, preserve. They are all about tradition. They believe that the Bible is clear, that God said something and there is one meaning and they are focused on that one right way. They want a doctrine, which is just a fancy way of saying a belief system that holds true to that one thing and defends it. And yet, currently, right now, there are some conservative traditional denominations that are splitting because they no longer align or agree 100% on every single detail of their doctrine. So instead of going, hey, we're gonna just reconcile this, we're gonna figure it out, we're gonna keep moving forward together, they're saying nope and they're voting and they're splitting after decades and decades and decades of saying we're on the same team and we're doing the same thing. On the other side of the church spectrum, you have liberal churches. They are more open to interpretation. They often often actually search for new meanings. They look at the scripture and think a lot of it is outdated. The traditional stuff is outdated and they're looking for things that are more relevant. Their doctrine is often focused on um, inclusion and acceptability and an equality for all people. There's a lot of use of the word all where they want to do away with old laws and all traditions to level the playing field for all people. And yet, sometimes if you don't agree with their theology or their doctrines 100%, that kind of becomes a fleeting word and a fleeting concept. And instead of meaning all means all people, what they actually display and what it feels like it means is all means all people who align with what I'm saying 100% or progress in their beliefs at the same time that I do. Both of these extreme cases are not love. Neither of these are the way of Jesus. This is division. This is choosing teams. This is choosing sides. Anne Lamott is a writer, and she said, you may know that you have created God in your own image when he hates the same people that you do. The first time I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, no. Like, what a powerful, hard thing to hear, especially in a church setting. The problem is loving our neighbor as ourself and looking at this team model when we split the team and all of a sudden we're like, we're, we're all on team Jesus. We're all team Christian. But what we end up doing is then turning and pointing fingers and going, well, but you don't have the right way. Your way is toxic. You're a toxic Christian because we have got it all figured out and we've found the right way to do it. 
at Mosaic, we have actually been accused of being both too conservative and too liberal at the same time. I don't know how this works. I honestly don't know, honestly don't know how it works. I have also been accused of being both too conservative and too liberal at the same time. And for some of you that have been tracking with us for a long time, I know that you've experienced it because I've watched friendships dissolve. I have watched relationships end where people decide, I no longer agree with you 100%, so I'm going to leave your church, which is great and fine, and sometimes it's the best thing, but it doesn't have to end the way it ends where then relationships get completely cut off. Because I'm going to tell you, that doesn't feel like love. That feels like loss. That feels like loss. And loving people that are not just like us means learning to maintain relationships with people that we disagree with. It means learning to maintain relationships with all of our neighbors. Loving others as ourselves does not mean loving others who are like ourselves. It's not just hard to love people, but if we remove ourselves from them, if we start considering them as them and keep them at arm's distance, it's actually impossible. We cannot love people that we refuse to be in relationship with. Now, I'm guessing we are not the first people to struggle with this. We're not the first people to struggle with this because later in the Gospels, Jesus is actually trying to prep his disciples and get them ready for his departure from this earth. And so he, he changes his answer in Luke. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I don't actually care about your stance or your agenda. I don't care what you think about these people. I don't care what you believe about these people. No conditions, no loopholes, no asterisks. Love people. Period. Period. There's a technique in writing that authors often use called show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. And the idea is that you can appeal to your reader and that you can bring them in by creating things with your words. You're using your words, but instead of just listing out and describing what's happening, you're creating an experience underneath for them to feel like they're there and that they're part of the story. And I think this show, don't tell actually illustrates what Jesus is calling us to, what this kind of love. The word love that he uses in verse 34, the Greek word for love, which there are multiple, but in this case, it's the word agapao. Agapao. I have to think about that slowly. <laughs> now, you may have heard of agape love if you've been in a church setting before. These are similar but different words. Agape love is a noun, which means it is talking about love as a thing. It is referring to love as a concept, a love that we have for each other, a love that you can hold. Agapao love is a verb. It's a verb. What I would say to my kids, it's a doing word. It means it requires action and you have to do something with it. So when Jesus tells us in this verse to love one another, he's not saying go out there and talk about it. He's not saying fill your social media with all of the words that tell people about who you love. He's saying, don't 
go on the news or look at the news and say, well, this person's not loving because, or they should be doing this, or I wish they were doing this, or the churches should be doing this. He says, do it. Do it. Can you think of a person like this? Don't point to them. Don't say their names. Can you think of someone in your life that likes to talk a lot about the people that they love or how loving they are? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put them on mute. Put them on mute. If you took away their words and all of the things that they used to tell you about who they loved and you just looked at their life, what would you see? Does their life show you that they love people? Because we know that words and actions do not always line up. I know some of you are on dating profiles right now. And so you know this to be true. You know this is a fact because you read the words of what they're telling you on the dating profile and then you show up and you're like, um, different person, wrong person. They're showing you a completely different face. You don't even know how that worked out. Parents, our kids do this, right? My kids like to tell me all day long what they're doing. I'm putting away my laundry. I'm doing the things. I'm picking up my room. And then I go up there and they have done literally everything else except what they're telling me they're doing. Maybe in a workspace, you have a coworker. Maybe it's you who likes to talk a lot. Maybe it's me who likes to talk a lot about the things that they can do and what they're going to do and what they're going to accomplish, but you're still waiting for it to happen. You're like, how about show me what this would actually look like? You know, businesses and corporations and even churches can do this as well. They put words all over their website. They put words all over their walls to tell us and to tell people who it is that they love and what they're about. But you have probably experienced walking into a place where there are a lot of words like that and then what you experience is not the same thing. They don't always align. And after a while, it's hard to hear because you start to realize that you can't believe what those words are telling you. Now, I do think that people mean well. I do think that churches mean well. I do think that people mean well. And I understand it because I used to be this kind of Christian. I thought I had it all figured out and I said all the right things. And then in college, my best friend called me. I could not remember life before him. I've known him my entire life. I was like, yes, come visit, come hang out. It's going to be a super great weekend. And then he showed up and immediately I was like, okay, this is going to be a different kind of weekend because he needed to talk to me because I was his safe space or I thought I was his safe space. And he came out to me and my response and my words and my follow-up questions and my actions were anything but loving. I thought I was saying the right things. I was doing the right things to love him in a certain direction. And I promise you, love is not what he experienced. I did not see that the words that I was saying did not align with my behavior. The words that I use to tell people all the time, this is who I am and this is who I love and this is what my life's about, actually fell flat when it came to that moment and I had to put it into practice. That is one of the biggest regrets of my entire life. We have to be able to look at ourselves and ask the honest question, are the things that we're telling people lining up with what we're actually showing them?
When we love our beliefs about people more than we actually love them, we're not loving people. We're loving the sound of our own voice. We're loving the way we come across when we use those words to describe ourselves. There is a big difference. If we put our own words on mute, what would people see? The good news is we always have a chance to grow. We get to keep learning. We get to choose differently. Our, you know, I said this is part of our vision at Mosaic to be known by love. And what that means is we want you to come in. We want people to experience the love of Jesus when they walk in these doors through all of you, through the worship, through the message, through every moment that they're here. We want them to experience love through acceptance and inclusion. And part of my job as the experienced pastor, is that I deal with communications. So if there are emails or DMs, I get them and I respond to them. And a lot of times I get a question from someone who has not yet been here, either found us in Google or an event and wants to know before they come, they just have one question. What is your stance on this? Your website is unclear about that. We want to know exactly what you believe about one particular thing before we decide if we are going to come and check out your church. And what I want to tell them is this. Mosaic is a place where we are creating a table where people who would never sit together outside of here can come in and sit together, who can come in and be together and experience that love of God together because you don't have to believe like us to be with us. You don't have to think like us to be with us. You don't have to believe like us. You don't have to raise your kids like me. You don't have to vote like me. You don't have to dress like me. I don't think we could handle a whole church of people that dress like me, honestly. You don't have to pray like me. You don't have to believe like me. We come in together and so many of you understand this. As a staff, it is one of our absolute favorite things to sit back and watch y'all carry this out for each other, for first time guests, for visitors, because that's what you're doing. You're helping us create this environment. When you choose to come to Mosaic, when you choose to serve and volunteer at Mosaic, when you choose to financially support Mosaic, what you're saying is, I am choosing to love people that I don't agree with. I am choosing to love people that are different from me. Because what's more important than my personal opinion is creating this space where all people can come together and sit at the same table. That is what we're trying to do. So when I get these emails, I just wanna respond. Can you just come? Smiley face. Like, will you please just show up? Because I can give you lots of words and they're probably not gonna be the words that you want because you're looking for something really specific. But if you will just come in and experience, you will actually see the answers to your questions when you interact and you engage with the people in this environment. We call it mosaic on purpose because by its very nature, a mosaic has to be made up of different kinds of pieces not pieces that all look alike. And it's hard to do. It's hard to have a church like this. It's hard to live as a believer like this. But Jesus also told us in Luke, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners 
love those who love them. Now, I don't want us to get caught up on the word sinner here because that actually applies to all of us. It applies to y'all. It applies to me. That applies to everybody. But in this particular case, what he's talking about are people who were not free from sin, meaning they had not chosen the way of Jesus. They had not chosen to be his followers. And so it seems like once again in this verse, he's talking to us that have chosen this, that do identify as Christians or Jesus followers. He's like, you are different, actually. You have chosen. You should be different. And this is the way that they're going to know. When you love people the way I love them. When people can see how much I love them by the way you love them. With this agapao love of action. We want to do this here at Mosaic, but we can also do it in our personal lives. We can do this outside of this space. We can bring people in to our tables. Are you creating a home or a work environment, a classroom, a school, a friend group that is an environment that is loving, where all of your neighbors, all of your neighbors can come in and sit together? Your atheist neighbors, your Muslim neighbors, your immigrant neighbors, your conservative and liberal neighbors, same time, same dinner table. Your Republican and Democrat neighbors, same time, same dinner table. We can actually do this. We can actually do this if we stop focusing on our differences. Your married neighbors, your divorced neighbors, your single neighbors, your neighbors with disabilities, your neighbors who are neurodivergent. Can we bring them all in together? And are we bringing them all in together? By the way, loving people doesn't mean that you have to adopt their lifestyle. It doesn't mean that you even have to understand their lifestyle. If you invite a Muslim person or an atheist to your house and have dinner with them, it's not going to make you Muslim. It's not going to make you an atheist. But what it might actually do is show them the love of Jesus from another Christian that they have never experienced in their entire lives. It may actually show them the love of Jesus that they didn't even realize they were looking for. Learning to love people is not fluffy. I think a lot of times we think it is. Talking about love and it's so nice and it's fluff. Y'all, this is hard, deep work. And this is spiritual work. We should be showing people how much Jesus loves them by the way we love them. Paul was a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament and he was a big show don't tell guy. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says this, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. He's saying all of this talk about love doesn't mean anything. All of us telling people how much we love them and who we, who we love means nothing. We are basically an annoying sound, he says, a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. But he goes on and he gives us practicals of what to do, starting in verse four. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others, even when they disagree or hurt us. I'm going to add my own little words in here, by the way. It is not self-seeking, even if it makes us look good. It is not easily angered. It cannot be offended. It keeps no record of wrongs because it gives grace. Love does not delight in evil for any people, for any reason, ever. But it rejoices with the truth. It always protects in action. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. If we put the world on mute, these are the fruits we should be looking for. If we want to know if people are loving, this is what we should see. And friends, what I want us to do this week and maybe even over the next couple weeks as we continue this series is to also look at ourselves this way. If we put our own lives on mute and we take away the words that we use to explain ourselves or to defend or to justify, if we remove all of our telling words, are we brave enough to take a look at our lives and see what they're showing the world around us about what it looks like to be known by love? I want you to read this passage again this week and be brave enough to not pick the easy one. You know, for me, my easy one would go, oh, I just need more patience. That's, that's the one. I need patience with my kids. I need patience with my husband. Apparently, I need patience in traffic. But I know that there are others that I actually need to work on more, that are more important, that are going to require me to dig in deeper, that are going to require me to actually not choose something I can do on my own strength, but that I have to rely on the love of Jesus for, that I cannot do on my own. So your homework is, your challenge is, what's missing? When you look at this list, who are the people that are hard to love, that are not receiving this from you. And it's not easy. So if you're sitting there thinking, man, this is hard, you're not alone. This is not an easy thing to do, but we're going to do it together. We're going to go through some practicals for the next couple of weeks. What we have to commit to today is that we are going to actually make the choice, that we will choose to learn to get better at loving other people, that we will choose to get better at loving people who are not like us, that we will choose to get better at loving people who desperately need to experience the love of Jesus from another human person in their life. They are so desperate to know how much Jesus loves them, and we get to be the ones. If you have chosen the way of Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian, we get to be the ones that show them how much God loves them, just how much he loves them. And that is the only way that we can love people well if we remember first how much he loves us. If y'all stand, I will pray for us. And after I pray, we're gonna go into something called a response time where you can either stand here and sing this last song with us. You can go to the cross over here and leave. If you have a burden or a prayer request on your heart, you can write that on a post-it and leave it there. We'll pray alongside you as a staff. On either side of the room, there's also communion and candles if you would like to light a candle to represent someone that you're praying for. But for right now, will you pray with us? God, I thank you for the way that you love us. God, first and foremost, I thank you for the relationships with people who are easy to love. God, because that feels like such a gift. 
Father, that's when we get to experience how much you love us and we just get to sit in that. We get to sit in receiving love. And so God, for the relationships or maybe just people groups, God, people that are removed from us, people that we don't even know personally, but we know we struggle to love. God, I pray that you would help us in your strength. God, with your love that is so unfathomable that we can't even explain. God, that we would be able to rely on that to love people better. God, I pray that you would send your spirit with us. God, as we go through these next couple weeks, opening our eyes to the people around us who really need to experience you. And God, that we would be brave enough to be the people, to show them the love that they've not received elsewhere. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.